you know, uh, as I was saying, I, I, I really believe that the stirring that God is doing in our hearts as a church, I really believe that that is birthing something fresh within us. I, I really believe that Jesus is putting together this community who, who not just embraces the gospel, right? Uh, but, but is also taking out opportunities, is also taking out time to, to live out the gospel message of Jesus. And I have to say, doing that is not always comfortable, right? Doing that is not always comfortable. So it's not always according to your convenience. It is, it is not always in, in the, uh, you know, something that comes to some of us naturally. But can I say it is always worth it? Can somebody put that up in chat? It's always worth it. It's always worth it when, when Jesus challenges you and me to live out the gospel message. And see, you know, when things like, when, when the scripture that we have been reading really pops up in, uh, you know, from the text, uh, all that you have been reading and meditating on, when the Holy Spirit really convicts you of certain things and, and the seasons of your life, that is something powerful. That is something powerful. That is something so timely. And, and here's the truth, right? Being convicted of something is, is, is the start of it. But responding and acting upon that conviction is what leads to this transformation part that we talk about. And, and so I pray and, and I really hope that these teachings, that, the, that these scriptures and, and all that the Holy Spirit has been doing with, uh, in, in our lives in, in the past few weeks as we have been journeying through this series called Heart Attack, I really hope that all these things would birth within you those strong desires and would really allow Jesus to start shaping your heart. So, uh, and as we close out on this, on this series, right, I want us to help, I want to help us pick, uh, paint a futuristic picture of, of what a heart that is shaped by the gospel or what that can look like, right? Or what that looks like. And God, uh, when I was penning down certain, certain uh, the, the, when I was penning down the content for the series, God really dropped a glimpse in my heart, or got, uh, dropped a glimpse in my spirit. And I want to uh, share this with you as we close out Heart Attack as we close out this series. So, so let me ask you this simple question, right? Uh, to, to what extent are you allowing Jesus to shape and mold your heart? Right? If you missed out on that, I, I want to I ask you this again. And, and it's fine if you want to keep the answer of that to yourself. To what extent are you allowing Jesus to shape and mold your heart. Now, the answer to that can be answered in so many different ways, right? And, and if you want to go ahead and put something up in chat, feel free to do that. Uh, but but this, this question can be answered in so many different ways. And I believe one particular way how we can answer this question is, uh, is, is maybe something like this. To, to the extent of allowing Jesus to eradicate every divide, every chaos, every worry, every selfish mindset that, that kind of keeps popping up in the heart. Are you guys with me? You know, uh, all those thoughts that kind of keep us pushing us away from, from the person of Jesus Christ, all those evil desires, all those fleshly attitudes, all the mindsets of the past that try to hold us back. If, if as long as we make it an intentional choice to allow the Holy Spirit to eradicate that one by one, that's where our heart is going to be uh, shaped the way Jesus desires for it to be shaped. And, and here's a, the fun part of it, right? Or the reality of this is all of this takes a lifetime. All of this takes a lifetime. I wish I could say it's as simple as uh, oh, it begins when, when we start a talk series and it stops when we complete a talk series. Like who wouldn't want that, right? Who wouldn't want a quick fix? Who wouldn't want your hearts to be shaped in like just four weeks time span, right? Like who wouldn't want a quick fix? We all love quick fixes. We all love quick fixes. And the truth is this entire journey is a lifelong process. It is, it is not something that just starts, like I said, at the start of the talk series and ends at the talk series because a gospel-shaped heart is one that, 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 that has a continuous inward working of the Holy Spirit through the scriptures. 
A gospel-shaped heart is one where Jesus permeates through every bit of the heart. A gospel-shaped heart is eager to multiply its impact to the people around it. That's what a gospel-shaped heart looks like. And, and as we allow God to bring out these truths in our lives, right, we are heading towards something that is called an undivided heart. Can somebody type that out in chat? An undivided heart. An undivided heart. And, and, and we all have been, have been inspired, motivated, captivated, we all have been really challenged by the life of David in the scriptures, right? And, and if you really see his lifestyle, David was known for his bold and his authentic prayers. David was known for, for, the, for the passion that he had for God, for the heart that he carried for, for God, right? And in, in all of that, David has penned down some beautiful psalms. David has penned down some beautiful prayers and some bold prayers uh, when he's penned down these psalms. And, and I want us to focus on one of these psalms that David pens down, which is a prayer which is a, a prayer. Uh, and if you read Psalm 86, that's a beautiful prayer that has, been, that has been penned down by David. But I just want to highlight these couple of verses from Psalm 86, verses 11 to 16. This is, this is what it says. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Teach me a way, O Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love towards me, and you have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. Man, I'm telling you, this is some bold stuff that David is praying. I'm calling this talk Undivided Heart Ingredients. I'm calling this talk Undivided Heart Ingredients. Before we go forward, I just, I just uh, want to pray. I don't know, for some reason, my Zoom is really acting up. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to ask you guys again, if you can just maybe hear me, just show me a quick thumbs up, guys. Uh, would, would really help. Uh, all right. Let's just pray and commit this time to God's hands. Father, I just want to pray for our time together. Holy Spirit, I know you are here. We know that you're working uh, in our hearts right now, Lord. And even as we dive into your word, even as we, Lord, uh, just, just start this conversation, Spirit of God, that you would move in a powerful way. I pray for clarity. Lord, I pray for this entire uh, tech. Lord, I just pray or that there would be no disruptions, no disconnections. And Lord, let, let us be united. Let us be open. Let our hearts and our minds and spirits be open to what you desire to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Right. We, we are talking about undivided heart ingredients. And what we read just now in these couple of verses, right? That is, that is a beautiful prayer of David. That is, that is such an honest, that is such a, such a raw prayer that David is making. And, and can I just say something? When I was reading this, this chapter, I felt David is asking for something that is so unlikely. He's, he's asking for something that is so far-fetched, David. I mean, I mean, okay, I know the Lord is your shepherd. Uh, I, I know that you can say that so with so much confidence. I know that he takes you beside still waters. He restores your soul. But an undivided heart, an undivided heart, that is something altogether different. And, and I was thinking, okay, as much as it sounds a bit far-fetched, as much as it sounds very unlikely, if you really give yourself some background context about the things that David was passionate about. If you read and study the lifestyle of David and, and his life, uh, you, you'll come across some of the key highlights. David was really passionate about the word of God. David was passionate about the law. The Bible says that he, 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 he treasured the word of God above everything else. He was, he was passionate about the commandments of the Lord. And, and this is something that, that was on his on his, uh, on his priority list, you know, uh, him being a king, him being a warrior, a good strategist, a, big, uh, uh, a great leader, all of that. But 
was not his identity. He, his ident- he was identified by someone who loved the Lord and who loved his commandments. And, and you see, for, for David, for, 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 for the talking about commandments, God gave the people of Israel some of the, some of the most precious and important commandments. You know, it says to, to the specific to the people of Israel, this is what, this is what God had said. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is, this is Deuteronomy 6, you know, and, and it makes me wonder that if David was, was hearing this, if David had heard this out so well, for David to fulfill the command of love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and strength, it is not just going to happen, right? It is not just going to happen. For, for your lives to be shaped by the gospel, it is not just going to happen. For, for Christ to dwell in your heart through faith, like how the scripture says, it is not just going to happen. And that's why over these last few weeks, we have been really building up on this, on this talk series to, to really understand that how the gospel has the power to shape our hearts. It is, it is not religion that shapes your heart. It is not irreligion that shapes your heart, but it is the gospel message of Christ that shapes your heart. We also, we also looked at how idolatry, the idols of the heart, are some of the key things that you and I need to deal with if we have to mature and grow in our relationship with God. You remember that one? We spoke about how the ultimate solution for idolatry was death. But thank God for, for his son, Jesus Christ, who took death upon himself. And because of his death and because of his resurrection, you and me don't have to fall prey to the idols of our heart. There is a way out. And, and last week, we, we were talking about how the Holy Spirit is, plays such a key role in bringing that revival to our hearts in bringing that renewal to our hearts. And, and so you see, all these weeks we have been building up and, and today we have, been, we have come to this place where an undivided heart is, is what God expects out of all his sons and daughters. God expects that out of all his sons and daughters. And, and that's what we saw, right? And, and hey, since we are talking about ingredients, uh, I, I know there's so many amazing people in Zealous who, who love cooking. Right. And, and I know some people have tried out some crazy things during the lockdown. Uh, I've seen some pictures. I've also gotten the privilege of, of kind of coming and coming to your places and eating those amazing meals. And, and I want to, I want to just throw a trick question at you. Okay. I don't know if you're ready for this. Uh, I think, I think especially the mothers and the ladies um, and, and some men who love cooking, you love your kitchen, you love your ingredients. This might come naturally to you. But for those who, who walk in once in a while to the kitchen, let's try, right? Let's try. Neville, let's try, right? Uh, Whippin, let's try. Uh-huh. Okay. So, all right. I want to ask you this simple question, right? And it'll be coming up on your screen. Can you help, help us in chat with three ingredient recipes? Okay, don't, don't spell out the recipe. Just tell out. Just tell us, using three ingredients, what are some of the things that you have tried out or you have heard about? Just let's have some fun. Three ingredient recipes. Anyone? Anyone wants to take a shot at it? Okay, potato, oil, salt. Nikki, what's that for? Is that for mash? Fries. French fries. French fries? Okay, French fries. Boil like Neeraj, three, three ingredients. <laughs> Right, I'm seeing that the yeast, flour, salt. Okay, bread, not bad. Eggs, banana, oats, pancakes. There you go. Dewey, nailing it. All right. Come on, man. Where are all the chefs? Raj, I thought you would have a big list, man. Maggie. Okay, Neeraj and and, uh, Benji are on a total different trip altogether. You know, they are like, okay, three is too much. We want to stick to one. (laughs) Ah. All right. Okay. Doesn't fit in three ingredients. Okay. This is the problem with these exclusive chefs, right? They, they all want the lavish, 
list of ingredients to to cook this amazing meal. Pat, it's it's fun to see this chat pop up with some incredible uh, suggestions and ideas. Uh, Maggie, wow, wow. So so I did a bit of reading, okay, uh, and and this is what I found out. Uh, I love expect whenever I go to the kitchen. I know Jui will maybe unmute herself and say uh, maybe never in the recent times, but but whenever I have gone to the kitchen. Uh, Yeah, some of the things I love to do is experiment. And while I was reading some of the things, I found out that you can really make lemon chicken uh, with just lemon, chicken, and olives, right? Three ingredients. You can make uh, banana pancakes, like Jui said, with banana, egg, and and coconut flour. Uh, you can make crepes with just flour, egg, and milk. So if you want to try out these things, uh, don't ask me. I can share the link where I where I read this, and you can get the recipes for yourself. But I want to talk to you tonight about a few ingredients that when put together really help each one of us cultivate and build an undivided heart. A few ingredients when put together really help us cultivate and build an undivided heart. You know Jesus in one of his most epic conversations in the Bible that is called the Sermon on the Mount you know he 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 makes this statement regarding the heart he says this in Matthew 5 uh, verse 8 he says blessed are the pure in heart for they will what they will see god if if you're on mute that's okay but can you just say this verse out with me blessed are the pure in heart for they will see god if you, if you missed that out there's another chance for you can we just read this together blessed are the pure in heart for they will see god and if you see what uh, this this word pure that is there the greek word that is used for the uh, for, for for pure is this word called katharos which which kind of describes a heart that is pure in motive it describes a heart that exhibits single mindedness it exhibits undivided devotion and it exhibits spiritual integrity uh this word pure or, or katharos has to do with attitudes uh integrity singleness of the heart as opposed to double mindedness and so jesus is saying that the pure in heart are those who desire their hearts to be unmixed in its devotion and motivation if you remember one of the things that i helped uh i shared with you in the first week itself is that the the power of the gospel Uh, it really changes your heart motivation the gospel has the power to change your heart motivations if you missed that out in week 1 i want to say this again the gospel message of jesus christ has the power to change your heart motivations and and if you if you see right the main theme here that jesus is talking about is a heart that is concentrated or devoted completely to the one and true living eternal god not to the idols of the temporal world right so maybe let let me let me hear you uh, let me help you see this better right the same word katharos in, in secular greek or 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 in their in their conversations whenever the greeks used this word katharos it was often used of metals that had been refined until all impurities were removed until what until all impurities were removed leaving only the pure metal and and in that sense purity this is how the greeks were like some some crazy folks when it comes to language uh and and that's why i love going back and reading some of the new testament through through the lens of the greek and some of these words because it really expounds our understanding of the of the cortex and and if you're still with me you know purity that that jesus is talking about in this sense it means unmixed it means unalloyed or it means it it also means un, unadulterated and when you apply the same principle to the heart that jesus is helping us to, uh, that see the idea of a the idea is that of a pure motive of single mindedness of undivided devotion of spiritual integrity and true righteousness you see that on screen it's it's but the pure motive of single mindedness it's your undivided devotion it's your spiritual integrity and it's your true righteousness so then there is 
we, we have this question then in front of us. How do we really build our heart in this manner? How do we really come to this place where you and I can say that, hey, I have an undivided heart for Jesus. Because if this is what it's going to take, I want to help you see just through, the, through these few ingredients that will really help each one of us build and cultivate an undivided heart. Are you ready for the first one? I'm going to share with you three ingredients, all right? Maybe in your own life, you might have to top up with another ingredient that, that you and the Holy Spirit can figure out what fits best for you. Maybe you need a fourth and a fifth ingredient, but I want to share with you the three base ingredients for an undivided heart. Ready for the first one? I'm sure you did not see this coming. The first ingredient, kill the first cousin. I wish your cameras were on so that I could see your reactions. I saw Benji's reaction. Now, all of you who got happy or shocked about hearing that, don't go on your thought process. Hold your thoughts, all right? But the first ingredient still stands. Kill the first cousin. What, what do I mean by that? Double-mindedness is a first cousin of, of a divided heart. Double-mindedness is a first cousin of a divided heart. See, only when you draw near to God can you fully deal with your double-mindedness. And James kind of points out this in a very, in a very particular way. He says this in James chapter 4, verse 8. This is what he says, right? I'm sure you, you know this. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You double-minded. So, so you see, a, a single eye, a singular focus is necessary for an undivided heart. A singular focus. Can you guys say that with me? A singular focus. A singular focus. A single eye is, is necessary for an undivided heart. And, and talk, coming back to Jesus' teachings, when he was doing that Sermon on the Mount, and he, that entire chapter kind of goes on to uh, still hold on some of the teachings that Jesus says in Matthew 6. He helps us see the importance of a single eye, right? But he says the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, the, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And I love this one. And, and it, I know it hurts when we read it and we try to put it into practice. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In some of the translation, it says mammon, riches, you know, whatever. But the point is you cannot serve God and something else. That is what Jesus is, is trying to help us see because I over here, when Jesus is talking about, speaks about the outlook of the heart. Hear me, this is, this is very important when I'm talking about killing the first cousin. You know, the, the eye over here is, is talking about the outlook of the heart. A single eye, when we talk about it, we, we are talking about one that is fixed on the spiritual. It is, it is very different. It is a complete opposite to a double-minded person. Can, can I say this? We tend to have a, a physical single vision, but a spiritual double vision. You know why I say that? We still tend to hold on to our earlier lifestyles. We, we still tend to hold on to our earlier habits and sins and, 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 and those patterns and the mindsets that we have built on or, or whether it's out of force of habit, intentional, unintentional, I don't know. But we all know that there are still things in our life that we need to deal with. Am I talking to somebody tonight? Right? We, we all know that there, there are... There are there are habitual sins. We all know that there are mindsets. We all know that there are, there are opinions and, and things that we need to deal with. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to deal with that. And Jesus wants to deal with those things in, our, in, in your life. We are still dwelling on the past hurts. We are still dwelling on the past regrets and the past failures that Jesus has already dealt with on the cross for you and me. We find it so difficult to have 
a singular focus when it, when it comes to the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you. And, and we want a bit of everything in life and we still want to follow Christ. We want a bit of everything in life and we, we still want to follow Christ. And so you see, that is the very notion that Jesus is challenging. That is the very notion of double-mindedness, if I may say that Jesus is challenging because he desires for each one of his sons and daughters to have a singular focus. The good eye that Jesus is talking about is, is, is speaking about a person whose motives are pure, like I said, who's, who's, who's got this single desire for the interests of God and who is willing, hear me well, who is willing to accept and live his life according to the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's the singular focus. That's what helps us, helps us kill the first cousin. And I want to come back to David, right? Uh, we're, going to be, we're going to be switching between David and Jesus today, if that's, if that's okay. And, and David, you know, another brilliant prayer, another brilliant song, uh, if I have to say, when he pens down this in Psalm 16, in these couple of verses, he says, David, in 16 verse 8, he's saying, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. Can somebody say always? Hey, I'm looking at your lift movements, okay? I know you're on mute, but I'm looking at your lift movements. Can, can somebody say always? Right? He, David is saying this, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. And this guy is, is nailing it for some of the Psalms. This, the, 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 the truth that he spits out, the, the, the revelation that he has when, when he's talking about himself and God together, it's brilliant. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. So, so whether I'm in a pandemic, whether I'm in a financial crisis, whether I'm, I'm going through job losses, whether I'm going through turmoil in my home, whether, I, whether my peace is messed up, whether nothing is going as for my plans, nothing is going as for my five-year plans that I had planned. And I thought in 2021, I would be doing this, 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 but nothing of those is falling in place. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. That is David. Ladies and gentlemen, that is David. And can I, can I say this, right? When I, was, when I was meditating on this, this is something that God spoke to me. He said, Nina, the reward of fixing our sight on God is a heart that is glad and eternally secure. Not temporal security. I want to tell you, when you and me learn to fix our eyes and fix our focus on Jesus, we are eternally secure in him. Our hearts are glad. You, 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 ever, want to, you ever want to know there's some, those some people that you know about who are always happy no matter what, especially those are Christ followers. I want to tell you, at some point of time, this scripture is coming alive in their hearts and in their lives that no matter what is going wrong in their lives, no matter what is going around their lives, their eyes are fixed on God. Zealous, how are we doing when it comes to your sight? Are your eyes fixed on God or are your eyes fixed on the news or are, are your eyes fixed on your surroundings? Are your eyes constantly fixed on your, your securities and, and your investments and your bank balances and your job securities and your business securities? Is that your definition of security? Because I want to tell you, when, when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about gospel, the, the narrative changes so much. Eternal security is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Our hearts will be glad when our eyes are constantly learning to be fixated on the person of Jesus Christ. Are you, are you struggling to, uh, to give Jesus every, the control of everything in your life? Are you, are you still in a place where 
where you're like, okay, I've got this doubt. I've got this apprehension. I know I need, I, I know I should be doing it, but I can't do it. If you've been feeling that way, can I just remind you, the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to silence every fear, to silence every rejection, to silence every doubt, to silence every second guessing that, that, that is going on through your life and in your hearts and in your mind. And the blood of Christ can birth faith into your situations and faith for your situations. So don't miss out on the action now, Zealous. Don't miss out on the action. Kill the first cousin of double-mindedness through the power of the scriptures. Kill the first cousin of double-mindedness by fixing your sight on Jesus. Kill the first cousin of double-mindedness by depending on the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you at every step of your life. Kill the first cousin. That's ingredient one. Got the second ingredient lined up for you guys. Are you guys doing okay? Right? You guys doing okay? The second one I, I want to share with you guys is an appetite for truth. How is your appetite for truth? And, and what I mean by that is the sheer power of the scriptures how is your appetite for the sheer power of the, of the scriptures that, that you and me have on this earth to, to, to kind of really fall back on? See, because can I, can I say this? An, an undivided heart is forever a student of the living God. There, there is no arriving for a Christ follower. Sorry to say this. If, if you thought you're going to arrive one day in your journey with Jesus... And if you can make that statement, hey, bro, I've arrived. Water baptized, spirit baptized, given to church financially, attended every Zoom call in the pandemic, been, been a member of the church for the last 15 years. I have arrived. You're fooling yourself, man. As a Christ follower, we can never arrive. That, 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 that lingo doesn't exist for a Christ follower. When it comes to our, our, our journey, when it comes to our growth as a Christ follower, because the, uh, we, we are constantly learning and growing in our relationship with Jesus. We are constantly being exposed to a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. We are constantly moving from strength to strength. We are constantly moving from faith to faith, and we are allowing the scriptures, we are allowing the power of the Holy Spirit in every season to expose the, the faults, to expose the wrongs in our heart, and to kind of embrace and receive the grace for every day of your life, for receive the grace for every season of your life, for to receive the faith for every journey, every task, every mountain that is there ahead of you. You and me have the grace and the faith to receive that Jesus releases for each one of us. So don't let your seasoned experience as a Christ follower stop you from learning more about Jesus. I think I've spoken about this earlier. The, the biggest mistake we make as as churchgoers or as disciples and as Christ followers is thinking that we know so much about God. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I know what, I know what Matthew 6, 24 says. Uh, I know what, what John three sixteen says. I, I know those Bible studies. I know how the pattern happens. Oh, I know those connect groups. Oh, I know the, the times of prayer. I know what happens in a Sunday service. Oh, I don't need to be a part of it. Well, maybe not always. But I hope each one of you is still having your personal devotion with the creator, with the savior and the redeemer of your life. So can we not be so overtly familiar with the person of Jesus Christ? Because, man, if the angels who are up there in heaven get a fresh revelation of who Jesus is every time they circle around his throne, who the heck are you and me to kind of limit our revelations to something that you received from Ninad one week ago? 
the angels are getting a revelation of Jesus every single time they're going around the throne room of heaven. And you and me limit our understanding and our knowledge of Christ to one hour of connect group, to one 40-minute sermon, to one 15-minute IG devotional, to one 15-minute version Bible plan. I mean, is that your understanding? Or is that your appetite for the truth of God? No wonder our hearts are not being shaped by the gospel. No wonder we are still facing the same problems that we faced once upon a time. No wonder we are always so irritated. No wonder we are always on the edge. No wonder we feel always so depressed and discouraged. And we are, we are always kind of waiting for something to fall in place. We, we need that emotional neediness in our lives. See, knowing and following Jesus goes beyond the salvation decision. Knowing and following Jesus goes beyond experiencing his love and his goodness and his, and his blessings and his provision. Knowing and following Jesus goes beyond escaping earth and running to heaven. Knowing and following Jesus is a life of unconditional surrender to his will for your life. I'm telling you some of these things that I'm sharing with you, I have learned it the hard way where I have limited my experience of who Jesus is because I was doing the thing called church, because I was leading something called as a worship team. So I don't need a fresh revelation of Jesus because I was involved in doing youth missions. I can just allow my work to speak for my relationship with Jesus. But what about your intimacy? And can I just tell you, sometimes if you have to take a break from what you're doing for God, go ahead and do that. But don't take a break from your personal time with Jesus. Because here's, 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 another, here's another lesson that I learned the hard way. Truth for a Christ follower is not subjective. Truth for a Christ follower is always absolute. You know, in a, in a time and age where everything is relative, where everything is subjective, you know, we, we, we all have these conversations, we all have these backings uh, of, of theories and, and, and case studies and case papers when it comes to talking about truth, when it comes to talking about different topics, and, and everything nowadays is relative. Everything nowadays is subjective. But hey, for you and me as Christ followers, truth is absolute. If, if it is the blood of Christ that redeems you from your sins, it is the blood of Christ that redeems you from your sins. It is not your weekly church attendance. If we are saved through grace by faith, we are saved by grace through faith. It is not because you and me can outlive God through your good works. Truth for a Christ follower is not subjective, but absolute. I love Hudson Taylor. You know, he was one of this incredible person, you know, who, who carried the heart of God, who carried the love of God wherever he went. And, and he, he, he made this amazing statement. He says, either Christ, Christ is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. It's, it's, a, it's one of the very old statements. Uh, some of his, one of his famous ones, and, and, and it kind of really fits into what we're talking about right now. For some of us, man, we, we, we can be the barb of excuses when it comes to following Jesus. You're looking, at, you're looking at one. Right? I have made some of the most silliest. I've made some of the most random. I've made some of the most uh, uh, convincing excuses when it comes to not following Christ according to his word. Not obeying Jesus the way we should be obeying. And, and come on, we, we all are so creative when it comes to excuses, right? Okay, thank uh, uh, that, that smile or that smirk makes me feel that I'm not the only one uh, who, who, who's on that road, right? But can I say this? Many people abandon Christian faith Many people stop following Jesus because they are so drained out 
by the peripherals of church life. I've been there. I've been there. We, I think, I think if I can speak on behalf of my team, I think all of us or most of us, we have been there. And, and I have seen, I have seen people at one season of their lives who were on fire for God, who were like, hey man, I, I love Jesus. I love the Holy Spirit. I love the gospel. I am so passionate about who Jesus is and what he has done for my life. I've been, I've seen committed, water baptized, spirit baptized, dedicated Christ followers abandon their faith because they have burnt themselves out playing Christian. They have burnt themselves out playing church. They have burnt themselves out just sticking to the status quo of Christian, Christian life. And, and I know some of you might be saying, now you tend to come back on this topic so much because I am really passionate to see you and me live our lives the way Jesus wants us to live our lives. And one of the reasons we miss out on that is this is the last ingredient. Know your true north. Know your true north. All those corporate big guns that are here on this call, all, you, you guys would have sat through a whole bunch of training when it comes to true north. And, and, and things like that. You, you, you have, some of you would have probably designed it for your teams. You would have designed it for your, for your, for your uh, colleagues and things like that. True North is one of this incredible term that is used in the corporate where, where it ta talks about your vision, your why. Know your why. The ultimate goal of, as, a, as, a, as a Christ follower, do you and me know why we even believe in what we believe? Do you and I really know why we are living the way we should be living? Or, or are we just doing it because there's some guy called Ninat shows up on Zoom every time or on a Sunday to Sunday basis and asks us to do something? Is that where you're doing it? Or, or maybe uh, you, you guys tune into some connect group, you guys tune into church, you guys tune in, see these amazing messages that are being going on, uh, on on social media and on all the digital platforms and do that just out of no head knowledge or heart experience. I love. I love Paul and, and his writings to the Philippines church, you know, where, where he brings everyone back to the true north. He brings everyone back to the, to the ultimate goal of being a Christ follower, knowing your ultimate goal as a Christ follower. And this is what he says in Philippians 3, verses 7 to 10. He says, for, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And then in verse 10, he hits the home run. But he says, I want to know Christ. Can somebody say that? I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. You see, he is shaping the true north so well for the community of Philippians. He's saying, hey, you know what? You guys are generous. You, you guys know how to do church. You guys know how to do fellowship. You guys know how to do community. But do you know why you're doing what you're doing? Like, do you know why your heart needs to be shaped by the gospel? Do you know why you need to live as Christ followers with hope in a, in a time and season where everything is looking hopeless? He's hitting its home so well. See, can I? Most of us, we limit our understanding of, of being a Christian to forgiveness of sins. See, Christ did not die only to forgive our sins. Forgiveness is a means to that. And, and I, I want to put it this way, right? Do you and me, like every now and then when we have an argument, when we have a difference of opinion, when we, when we, when we kind of fight with each other, and when mo most of the times, if not always, when I have been the one who's wronged Juhi, I, I just don't need her forgiveness. 
The ultimate thing that I want is not forgiveness. The ultimate thing that I want is her. I want a relationship that is restored. I want a relationship that is that is sweet. I want a relationship that is happy because that's the ultimate goal. And forgiveness is a means to that. And and can I say so is it with God? Forgiveness is a means to getting to God because the ultimate goal of the gospel is not forgiveness. The ultimate goal of the gospel is God. That is the ultimate goal that you and me are pursuing. That is what we are going after. We are going after the person of Jesus Christ. So it is important for you and me to know the true north. Because see, when you're constantly learning to kill doubt, when you're constantly learning to kill and deal with double-mindedness and fix your eyes on Christ, when you set yourself on this path or build this habit to allow your lives to be shaped by the absolute truth of Jesus and set God as your goal, as your true north, you are cultivating an undivided heart for Jesus. So let me close off by just telling you this. It is God's desire for each one to have an undivided heart. It is God's desire. It is, I'm not saying this, I'm not just cooking this out of thin air. Can I urge you? Can I, can I, can I just say this with as much as, 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 as a reminder, as an encouragement, as, as maybe even an exhortation or, or I don't know what, I'm falling short of words to kind of just help me see this one important truth. It is God's desire for each one to have an undivided heart, a heart of single-mindedness, of undivided devotion, of spiritual integrity, of true righteousness. That is God's desire for you. You know why I say that? That is God proving that in his scripture when he was speaking to Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, this is what he says. This is God speaking to Ezekiel in these two couple of verses. He says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. This is Ezekiel 11 verses 19 and 20. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from their heart the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And I love what verse 20 says. He says, then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. I will be their God. I just want to close off by asking you this simple question. With all that you have heard over the last few minutes, you know, the, the ingredients that we have spoken about of killing the first cousin, of, of knowing your appetite for the truth and of knowing the true north. I don't know if you, if, if you have ever made this prayer that God give me an undivided heart. I don't know if you have ever allowed yourself to dwell on this phrase of what it really means to have an undivided heart. Even now, some of you may not really know the, the exact path to, to begin this journey in spite of us trying to spell this out so well. But can I ask you the simple thing? If you have a desire, if you have a desire to have that undivided heart, can I see your hands? Because I believe God will honor that desire today. Sometimes we don't know the exact pathway we need to take. We don't know the exact process, but I want to... I want to challenge you today. If you simply have that desire, that desire is where you can start this journey with. That desire is something that the Holy Spirit can work with. That desire is something that God will honor and really use that opportunity to kind of really stir in you the, the, the details of how you and me and every one of us can allow the gospel message to birth cultivate and shape an undivided heart. And if you have raised your hands up to, to say that, hey, Nanad, I, I have the desire to cultivate that undivided heart. I have the desire for the Holy Spirit to work in my life to cultivate that undivided heart. I want us to do something that David did. Uh, so many times, I don't know if you have said this, I have said this, uh, God, I really don't know what to pray. 
I mean, you know, the situation is such that I, I run short of words. I, I run short of expressions. Um, I don't have the courage. I don't have the guts uh, to pray those prayers, to even start praying. Forget about continuing prayer. I don't even have the guts sometimes to start praying. It's at those times where the scriptures tag along with you and can become your great prayers. And tonight, Zealous, I want to challenge you. Can we make Psalm 86, verse 11 and 13, your prayer? Can we make this our prayer tonight? I, it's, it's, it's there up on the screen. I want to leave this moment for each one of us. If, if you're tuned in on Zoom, if you're watching this on YouTube, I want to create this space between you and God. Can it, can it be as simple as you just praying this prayer out loud? Maybe penning down some of the words that kind of stick with you, some of the words that, that kind of resonate with your season, that resonate with what you're going through. Maybe it, it can also mean after this time of our, of our time together, go back and read the entire prayer of Psalm 86. But, but for now, for, for this, this very minute that we are in, can you not let go of this time? And just communicate, just, just talk to God through this prayer. That teach me your way, Lord. That I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord, my God. With all my heart, I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. We're so glad you've been listening in. If you'd like to know more about us, follow us on Insta at Zealous Pune or visit us online at zealous.community.